Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome. I'm Pastor Kamisha. You're listening to A Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us. And before we get into the Word, let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your mercy that is so abundantly and generously applied and given to us, applied to our lives and given to us every day, Lord. We thank you for your grace um, that carries us, Lord God. And I just surround your people, your body, and the listeners of this podcast with faith and with love and with your joy, God, in the name of Jesus and hope in you, Lord. We just bless your name, Lord. We thank you for all that you're doing and all that you've done. Guide us into all truth, Holy Spirit. Make your word alive to us and declare the good pleasure of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to us as we go through the scriptures with you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We bless you, God. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome, everybody, and welcome back to this podcast and our time in the Word together. So we're excited to have you with us, and i got good news. We are moving forward in the Scriptures. We're still in Romans, but this morning we're going to cover verses 8 through 13. So could I get a volunteer to read that section of Scripture, please? I will. All right, LaCharles. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God. To confirm the promises made to the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. For this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you people. And again Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Amen. So at this time, as is our custom, we're going to open the floor up so each of you can share with the Holy Spirit speaking and ministering to you and ask any questions that you have, all right? So who would like to begin? I'll begin. All right, LaCharles, please I found do. verse 7 interesting where it says, Therefore receive one another just as... Wait, actually, no. One second. I mean verse 8. Now we say that <laughs> Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the Father. This just reminds me of the scripture and the gospel where the disciples asked Jesus who was the greatest. And Jesus says, He who, is, who desires to be the greatest must first serve. I say that Paul is getting at that here in the scripture by saying that Jesus didn't come here with his feet propped up demanding his disciples to feed him grapes and stuff, but he also came to serve and to teach and admonish others about how to go about living. So I'd say that Paul has both demonstrated that we're supposed to be like Christ and meaning that there should be no one who's I'd say in a position who they think that they should be served 
by others, but it should also be a constant humility of saying, I should be serving others and going about it in that perspective. Okay. That's a good point. Anyone else? Or do you have more to add? No. And... Yes, the Lord didn't come to seek his own will, but to complete and finish the will of the Father. Um, as you're looking at verses um, 8, and actually this whole section of Scripture, mm-hmm. um, the apostle is highlighting the manifold wisdom of God, how he came in when it says as a, a servant um, to the Jewish people or the, the circumcision, meaning he came within the confinements of that because of the promise that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and also to David. David got it as a result of mm-hmm. Abraham, right? Abraham was first, then Isaac got it as a result of that. Jacob got it as a result of that. David got it as a result of that. So it, it's actually acknowledging that Jesus, God, in his wisdom could have caused Jesus to come out of any lineage that he wanted, Right. Yes. But he chose to make him a Jew to honor the, the word that he had spoken to these, these people that believed him and had a particular covenant with him. So simultaneously acknowledging that, honoring and, and adhering to and fulfilling that, which is why he came to a people that were of the law, if you will, their circumcision. But then also through that was able to show grace to the Gentiles, which were clearly on his mind. That's why um, on God's mind which is why um, the apostle keeps referencing um, these, these callback scriptures, if you will, uh, from other parts of, of the written word. For this reason, I will confess you. Um, I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing your name. And, and it's referencing, this is the manifold wisdom of God that he can do both at the mm-hmm. same time. He's able to fulfill his covenant and the law thereby and associate it with it. But then he's also able to um, offer grace to others who have no part have have not been a part of this covenant in the past or before, but give them grace still here and now today. But and then to bring them all together and make them one. Unity is God's idea. Mm-hmm. It matters to Him to have His body be one and together, whether they are of the circumcision of natural Jewish heritage or they are of lineage and heritage of faith which is the bigger portion of that amongst all the people. That's a great point. And, and then we also have to look at the, in verse eight, right? That Jesus Christ became a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God, right? But what, was, what actually entails in the circumcision? Is it just the cutting off of a foreskin? No. no, it's of the heart. Of the heart, right? Which, that's all the way back in Genesis. With Abraham, right? Yes. But what does it denote? It denotes a softening of the heart. In order to clearly and accurately hear what the Father was telling him through the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Yes. A, oh, Go ahead, Dean. Oh, just something interesting, just thinking about um, remembering when my son was circumcised and the, or, 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 the, the, or should I say, the conversations about circumcision and the 
medical reason given for circumcision was for cleanliness. Cleanliness, exactly. Mm-hmm. To avoid infection, avoid um, things that aren't there. And just hadn't thought about that in a parallel mm-hmm. to the circumcision of the heart. Exactly. To remove the things that contaminate and poison mm-hmm. and ha- can make us sick. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's in the natural, but then there's a, a spiritual aspect to it, right? Because if it happens first in the spiritual, absolutely, yes, and yeah. then manifests in the natural. Yeah, that's that's what I was making reference exactly. to. Exactly. I mean, yeah, yes. Obviously, I'm just trying to make gonna, it more clear. We don't <laughs> physically circumcise the heart. So I mean, just, yes. no. so no. I, I thought that was clear. So yes, please, please do not attempt to circumcise your son's heart. You no, know? no, that, that would be bad. <laughs> exactly. Right? All, clearly, this, all everything needed there is, is supposed to be there. It's in, needed. And speaking yeah. about the spiritual things, right? And going back again to Christ, our pattern and example. He carried and conducted himself in such a way, or, or this verse says, he became a servant to the circumcision, right? And you can look at that back in Isaiah, not just in chapter 61, but also when it pertains to fasting, right? In, in Isaiah 58 and in other places. And the point and purpose was to be so able, ready, Nothing blocking, no fleshly thing blocking our ability to accurately hear all that the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And it says that Christ made himself a, ser- a servant to that. Mm-hmm. For the, and the purpose? For the truth of God and to confirm the promises made to the fathers. Mm-hmm. So that well, in this case, the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, which is incredible. It goes right back to the what you were saying, honey, with the manifold wisdom of God. This was already the plan from the beginning, right? Which is the Lord calls the end from the beginning. But he, as the pattern example, made this, he is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. Now it is our job and our role to carry it out. His plans, his purpose. Mm-hmm. Something else I want to add, but I, I want to open it up to to everybody again to give them the opportunity to share what the Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to them. So who else has something they want to share on this? I was just thinking about what LaCharles said about, you know, just really like kind of letting that sink in, soaking that in, that Jesus became a servant. Um, Amen to them like even to the point of allowing them to uh, physically abuse him and and crucify him on the stake now we know he did that because god god commanded that and and the lord um that was the will of the father but even that you know with your servant you do what you want to with them but your your king and your messiah you reverence them so just just thinking about that even though he was god and he is god but i mean in the in the looking at the the sequence of time even though while he was here in the natural he was god he was their king he was their messiah and everything he still lowered himself to be, take the place of a servant that the people felt that they could do whatever they wanted to with him and he made himself lowly and not of any account so i was just soaking in that that reference that you made there le charles and just kind of drinking that in how he understood already if you're if you're the 
what was it? You'll serve, if you're the greatest, you'll serve the most. He who desires to be the greatest must first serve. Mm-hmm. Amen. And he did that to the nth degree, you know, washing of their feet, taking his time to teach, love, all of those things. All of those things he offered himself up and and served. And, you know, that's not something to be taken lightly. No. You know, today we don't want to be treated like a servant. You know, right. Amer- in America, you know, most of us don't want to be treated like a servant. But we want to be respected. We want to be esteemed and held and counted as worth something, having value and worthy. And the Lord made himself of no reputation and didn't... Um, didn't defend his place and who he actually is as being God. Which was incredible, especially when we, excuse me, reflect on it in light of our, some of the earlier podcasts talking about judging and the office of a judge, right? Christ is the righteous judge. He is the one that's going to judge the nations at the end. Does everybody understand that? Mm-hmm. But let's look at even how our society is built up. A, a judge is a protected person. Mm-hmm. To not have any harm or danger come to them. And, and, and they should be. Absolutely. But then let's look at how Christ, who is the righteous judge, approached his time. It was to build up and edify people. It was to bring them back to reconcile them back to the Father through himself. He bore with one another's burdens, as we covered, right? Mm-hmm. And then even to the point of then showing the unity that you, you brought up, honey. And you can find that in um, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Ephesians 2, 14 through 22, and Galatians three twenty-eight. right? And by the unity, I mean exactly what Paul keeps saying throughout all the his writings, no, really, the Father's writing through the Holy Spirit to Paul and through Paul to all these letters and epistles that he wrote throughout the New Testament. There's no difference between Jew or Greek, right? Mm-hmm. But those that are more mature should be bearing with one another, helping them to enter in. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Just like Christ did, the righteous judge. Mm-hmm. Helping to bring the kingdom here on earth. Helping the body to become fitted together. And it only happens through Christ. We can't do it of ourselves. Mm-hmm. But we can follow his pattern and example. Mm-hmm. Anyone else have something they want to? I just had something I thought was interesting and it was the kind of the parallel between... Um, verse 5 and uh, verse 13. Okay. Uh, And I read those. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live with such harmony as one another in accord with Christ Jesus. And then 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in love and hope. I mean you abound in hope. Uh Uh-huh. No. Nothing more specific other than just kind of interesting. And you know, typically I see those in Paul's writings as we're coming to a conclusion. And of course, we, we are getting 
closer to the end of Romans here, <laughs> but just just interesting how they were spaced out there. Um, and our reminder of how to uh, think about how we put in chapters and segments and all that that didn't sure. exist in the original text. Mm-hmm. But let's let's look at that for what it is. Amen. Thank you. There's Dean. there's one thought, but he divides it up into sections, right? He's still talking about the overarching thing, right? We talked about judging, we talked about unity, and, but walking together in love. And then what does Paul always do in his writing? He always points people back to Jesus. All signs point to Jesus, point mm-hmm. to Christ, point to the Messiah. All of them. So Paul is doing that here. So you could say, oh, well, there's two thoughts. He divided it up. It's one overarching thought with multiple sections. Mm -hmm. And yes, we are coming to the end. And I don't mean of the book of Romans, although we are doing that as well. But this here, verse 13, is really, if you will, we, we talked about this when we started chapter 12, right? This is the application portion of everything Paul has been writing about through chapter 11, hmm. right? So he is ending the section of, hey, this is, this is the end of the application portion. This is what it's supposed to look like. And he ends it with our pattern and example, the greatest example of all, Jesus. Hmm. This is exactly what it's supposed to look like. So understanding all these things that Paul writes about, but also that, that we've discussed here, uh, you know, on this podcast... And then as we've gone through these scriptures, we now should be able to have a greater perspective and more easily come in line with the Lord and his plan and apply it first and foremost to our lives, how we carry and conduct ourselves as Christians. Mm -hmm. And yet there's there's a little more that, that he adds after, right? After verse 13, as far as a, you can you can say that's part of the application, but this is really the end of it. And then now knowing these things, he's saying we can we can carry on and we should have everything we need in order to continue to carry on and continue to apply all that we've been instructed and utilizing the examples he's given us or he's provided for us to demonstrate what the application should look like in our lives. And also consider that this should set our hope and our expectations. Amen. When I, the, the verse 5 and 13, Dean, as you were referencing to me, it comes across as a, if this, then this mm-hmm. will happen. If you engage in this and embark on this journey, this will be the result and the outcome and the expectation that you can have of what will happen as a result. And I just thought it was very interesting like after we've concluded we've we've accumulated all of this understanding this revelation he's dug up an unprofitable thought process and patterns and habits and replaced it with truth and then he says if you're doing all these things this can be your expectation and and it's as humans a lot of times we don't embark in believing god because we don't know what the outcome's going to be it's uncertain to us it seems like well, what's going to happen to me if I do this? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen or what the outcome will be. But him providing this leaves no room for us to have to wander. It provides a conclusion of 
when God says do something, when he, his way produces life and this is what your what the life in your life will look like. So it just encourages me to no longer persist in selfish ambition, which is the, the human perspective and the natural way that we do things as human beings to look out for ourselves and to do things in effort to protect ourselves or better ourselves or you name it. And, and honestly, when God talks to us about, um, you know, preferring another above ourselves and bearing with the weak and things of that nature, it makes us, especially when we, we haven't grasped to see that there is an end result, we can be concerned about doing it, feeling like, well, that will be too much for me. I'll fall apart if I have to bear with these weak people all the time. How will mm-hmm. I keep moving forward? Does that make sense? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> like, how long is this going to take? How long will it last? I won't be able to endure it. But then he meets and addresses that and <laughs> in verse 5 and says, May the God of patience and comfort grant to you to be like-minded. Like, you're already going to be comforted. This is actually where you'll find comfort in doing what God asked you to do and taking it and going about it his way is where you will find comfort, which is what you're seeking out and trying to jockey and do things on your own. And then you will have, um, in verse 13, the God of hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the very thing that we're looking for. We want all things to be well. We want to have peace. We want to have joy. We want to enjoy our life. We want to have rest and quiet, um, um, quiet enjoyment, but rest within that. And we want to um, have an expectation like we can look out and see good. And our natural mind often thinks we'll get to this place by coveting and doing things for ourselves and preferring ourselves over another and engaging in selfishness and all of those kind of things. But the, the apostle, the Holy spirit by uh, via the apostle is telling us, no, if you go God's way, that's when you'll truly see these things become manifest in your life and you will be satisfied. You're absolutely not going to get it if you go the other route, but this way you will have it. And it's assured to you because God's word does not return to him void. And yep, you will have to subdue those emotions, bring them into the subjection of the knowledge and understanding of Jesus Christ. You will have to say, shut up and get back there. What was that that you tell me that reference that you made about putting the putting the baby in the trunk? You know, uh, oh, so, but, so I was at another side. And it's, it's not my quote, but someone brought this up and I, I thought it was great. And he said, um, you know, you love your kids. He's like, but you wouldn't let them drive the car. But they also, you don't put them in the trunk either. Mm-hmm. Right? So in other words, what he's saying, like, and, and it, it pertained to our emotions is how it was, we were discussing it. And he says, no, you wouldn't let your kids. Little children. Little children or your emotions drive the car. That's clearly not the place. And if anyone did that, you'd, they would call you crazy, right? You'd be like, that, that's just nuts. But at the same time, our children don't belong in the trunk either, right? They're there for a reason. <laughs> but there are other seats and they all have their places. It's just not in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. And it's also not thrown out. Mm-hmm. So likewise, our emotions are not in the driver's seat of our lives, but they're not suppressed. And they have their proper the, place. The trunk, right. And you and, and restraint, the right? Deep. There's, there's mm-hmm. seat belts and all those other things to restrain them, right? Mm-hmm. So we need to look at that and I'll say factor that in in our lives or set up the proper structure as it were, right? Mm-hmm. We're not driven by emotion or emotional perspective, but we're driven by truth. 
And mm-hmm. we, the will and the word of God is what should be ushering us through our lives in our lifetime so that we do end up at the, the desired outcome that we want. Um, and we're not left disappointed. I pursued my flesh for a long time and I always came up short. I was always disappointed at the end, but in Christ and pursuing life his way and thinking the way that he does. Now I am fulfilled. Now my life is like, okay, now I haven't expected that result that I had been longing for. I see in my lifetime. You brought up verses five and verse 13, right? I'll just read verse 13 for now. I mean, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Is this the first time we've heard this? Let's go back to Romans 5 and the first five verses. It should sound very similar. He is concluding that with that line or that verse, excuse me, of Scripture, he's concluding the application point. So Romans 5, 1 through 5 says this. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope for the glory of God. Hope of the glory of God, excuse me. And not only that, But we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Does that not sound identical? And then James, the first four verses... Oh, sorry, sorry, excuse me. Not the first four verses. I want to read verses two through four. James what, baby? Of James one. Of James one, yes. Actually, can I get a volunteer to read that? I will. All right, LaCharles. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let Mm -hmm. patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Okay, so we just see, do we understand how this all goes together? Yes. Now, now Dean and I were at a, another study earlier this week, and we, we covered that exact scripture. But let's look at it this way, right? And that's in, and by this way, I mean in light of Romans and what we're discussing and, and judging and, and all those things, right? Bearing one another's burdens in love, Right? said to count it all joy when you come across trials when bearing one another's burdens it can be a trial it can be a challenge it can oh, we have to really exercise a lot of patience do we not sometimes sometimes <laughs> right not always right but there are times when we do is that not a, a trial or a challenge yes okay but in bear christ bore with us he exercised tons of patience with us and our sin and then even went so far as to redeem us by dying on the cross while we were sinners and enemies of him. Clearly, that's an awful lot of patience, right? Yes. Was it easy? I'm sure it wasn't. And you you understand, you catch a glimpse of it while reading about 
his time in the garden in prayer before he is betrayed and taken away, mm-hmm. right? Captive. But he still bore with them. He bore with all of them and us. Yes, he did. Right? When, what does it say about Daniel and his friends? In which part, honey? It says that they were proven to be 10 times smarter or more intelligent, wiser than their peers. When? When When tested. When tested. So all of these things, especially as it pertains to to Romans and what he's saying about Romans and walking in love and bearing one another's burdens, judging rightly, they're all tests. They're all, it's all a, a... opportunity to demonstrate our love for the Father, our reliance, our dependence on Him in our lives. Mm. Not something that we should shrink back from, right? Mm. Yes. So I shouldn't shrink back from bearing with one another in their burden or showing and demonstrating them love. To draw them back to repentance. Mm. But because, well, as it says, and it's talking about Christ, of course, but in the section of scripture we just read, the more mature one should bear with the with the younger ones, right? Yes. All for the glory of God. Jews and Greeks alike. Amen. 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 All right, well, let's pause there for today. And can I get a volunteer to close out in prayer, please? I will. All right, promise. Lord, I just thank you for today. Just thank you for giving us your scriptures and just being loving towards us. Lord, I also just thank you for realizing when we need your help and helping us. Mm-hmm. In the name of Jesus, amen. In amen. Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Well, we love you. God bless you, and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.